Welcome to Noggin, the Simple Psychology Podcast, where we discuss scientific research in simple and exciting ways that is applicable to everyone. I'm Ben Rasmussen. And I'm McKay Heaton. And we are your hosts. All right, today we want to start off with a story. This story is about a king, Frederick II of Sicily. So he, he's, he's quite the experimenter. He was, a, he was a guy who loved doing experiments on humans. And today, they'd probably be a little bit unethical. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I don't, think could, I don't think he could get away with it today. But one of the experiments that he did was pretty telling of human beings. And so we want, I want to share with you what he did. So he wanted to figure out what was the language that men naturally spoke. Basically, he was trying to figure out what was the language of God. Like, that was his idea. If babies come down in their raw form and don't have anyone speak to them, then whatever language they start speaking should be the language that God speaks to, was his kind of reasoning and ideas. That's an interesting question when you think about it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so he was like, okay, I'm going to test this question. So he took a, a bunch of babies and he put them in different rooms and isolated them. And then he told the nurses, like, all you can do is go in there, give them food to eat, and you can't speak in their presence, as well as you can't touch them either. So those are the rules. And he just had these babies sitting alone in their rooms for forever. They didn't see anyone, didn't hear any words, and nobody touched them. After a couple weeks, all of them died. Every single one. Wow. Yeah. So unethical probably today, but it, it tells us a lot about human beings and what we need and how important language and touch and attachment is for humans. Wow. That's, yeah. that's amazing. That's, <laughs> Exciting story for you today. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's, it's a horrible tragedy, but it, and obviously today we have much more ethical means of finding things out, but that is an incredible finding about our need for human interaction that's wow yeah so what we want to talk about today is is attachment and human attachment specifically to other people and we're going to do that through a couple different experiments mostly done on animals but yeah ben you want to talk about that first experiment yeah so like mckay mentioned these papers that we're going to be talking about are with animals but it's important to keep in mind that these animals are very similar to humans in their behaviors, in their development, in lots of aspects, and especially in their need for attachment. So although these experiments were done on animals for ethical reasons, we'll talk about how they apply to humans as well. So this first paper was published in 1958 by Harry Harlow. It is very famous in the psychological world. It was published in Scientific American. And it contains a summary of a program of research that he did over a number of years. And by program of research, it just means they're, they're in their lab, they conducted multiple experiments, and then this paper was kind of a summary of all of those. So how this started was they took Reese's monkeys, because they had a similar development pattern to humans, but they're much more coordinated at birth and therefore easier to observe. So obviously when a human baby is born, they're not very mobile. They can't really do much by themselves. But um, when rhesus monkeys are born, they're a little bit more mobile. They're able to move around, and that makes them a lot easier to do research with. So the research question that Harry Harlow had actually came from a different 
body of research, a different program of research, in which they removed infant monkeys from their mothers soon after birth and reared the monkeys with a bottle. So the, the original research question was, how can we help these monkeys better develop? So they used uh, a different formula, and that is neither here nor there. But what they did notice was that in the cages where these monkeys lived, the researchers placed a gauze diaper on the floor to give the monkeys a softer environment to live in. And these monkeys became very attached to these diapers. So just, it was the only soft thing they had. They didn't have their mother with them. So the researchers were very impressed by how attached the baby monkeys were to these diapers and how distressed they became when the diapers were temporarily removed each day for cleaning. So that got Harry Harlow wondering what the importance of bodily contact was compared to the other aspects of nurturing, such as nursing. So... In one of his very famous experiments, he made two surrogate monkey mothers, one that was made completely of wire and one that was made of wire but was covered in a very soft terry cloth. So what they did was they placed eight monkeys in cages with access to both of these types of mothers. Um, and four of them received milk from the wire monkey, and four of the monkeys received milk from the cloth monkey. The way that they uh, nursed these babies is they would attach a bottle to the wire or the cloth monkey, and they would have the bottle coming out of where the mother's breast would be to simulate how a mother would breastfeed them. And so what they found was really incredible. First off, the physical growth of all these monkeys was the same. Each drank the same amount of milk and gained the same amount of weight over the same period of time. However, all eight monkeys spent significantly more time with the cloth mother than the wire mother. The researchers even heated the floor of the cage for the monkey's comfort, but once the monkeys were old enough to climb up onto their mother, they preferred the, the cold cloth monkey to the warm mother. And even the monkeys who received milk from the wire monkeys only spent time with them to get food, then quickly returned to the cloth monkey. So it was very, it was very clear to Harry Harlow at the very beginning of this study that it didn't matter which monkey had the bottle. These baby monkeys just really preferred the cloth monkey, which was really interesting to them. Next, they thought, okay, let's let's take this a step further. So the researchers presented the baby monkeys with a fear-inducing object. So their idea of a fear-inducing object was a mechanical teddy bear that made a loud noise and some movements and flashed lights. What happened was the baby fled to the cloth mother and clung to it as, until its fear subsided. It was interesting. There was a few monkeys that got so scared that they ran accidentally to the wire monkey. And as soon as they latched onto the wire monkey, they let go and ran over to the cloth monkey and then held on until they were comforted. So even the mother that gave them food and nourishment was not comforting to them. Other findings, they, took, they kept taking this a step further and further with different research questions. When only the wire mother was presented to the monkeys, they never gained an attachment to her. So when they presented that fear object to them, they didn't cling to the wire mother. They simply cowered in the corner and laid and shook on the floor until they were able to calm themselves down. And the interesting thing was the researchers rated their fear and they, they gave them a score of, the, of their fear. And the monkeys that did not have access to a cloth mother had three times higher fear scores than the monkeys who had the cloth mother. So Harry Harlow concluded that an extremely important aspect of nurturing in these monkeys is access to some sort of comfort and some sort of comforting touch. Wow. So do you think the, it, was, it was the softness that they loved? Is that like the touch, the soft touch was the thing that really made the biggest difference? Or was it, you know, 
Does that make sense? Or is yeah. It's like cloth is, is, you know, cloth and wire is like. Yeah. So the researchers concluded that <coughs> there is something extremely important about this nurturing touch. And that's something that we'll talk about later, even in human babies, is this nurturing touch. It wasn't enough for these baby monkeys just to have some sort of mother figure, because even in the wire mothers that gave them food and helped them sustain life, they never formed an attachment to them and they were not comforted by these wire mothers when there was a fear object presented to them. So I think it was the, not just the softness of it, but just some, so, some sort of nurturing, soft touch, just like we notice with human mm. babies and teddy yeah. bears and blankets or other yeah. soft objects. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah, that soft touch provides comfort and like love. I don't know, love is a good word to say. I don't yeah, know. yeah. That's cool. That's really, really cool. I mean, that, and that makes a lot of sense with the, Frederick II's experiment, how the babies, they just like, they just died because they had, didn't have touch, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So one thing we'll talk about later in this episode is we see similar things to what King Frederick did today, where in various parts of the world, there's understaffed orphanages. And so these infants don't receive as much touch as humans require. And there's consequences for that. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the next study. Then we can get more into like how this applies to humans. So this next study, I'll explain. It's by Michael Meany, published in April of 1998. Uh, super great study. Love it. And so he did this study on rats, but he, so his was, his, his experimental di- design was a little bit different. So what he did was he, he took these rat mothers and they all had pups. And then he watched all of the rat mothers and, and rated how well each rat mother was at, they call it arched back nursing, licking, grooming, stuff like that. Things that rats do to just take care of their young. So some mother rats were rated as very high. They would, they would lick, they would groom, they would nurse a ton. They would like lay with their babies, lay on their babies, because that's what rats do. And they would do it a lot. And then there were other mothers who would do it less. Don't know why, but that's just what they observed. So both sets of young that these mothers had, the high licking grooming and the low licking and grooming groups, both these groups of rats offspring were then put in novel environments. And then those children were observed, children of the mothers, those rat pups were observed in the novel environments. And the researchers just recorded what those rats did in the novel environments. And their findings are super interesting. The pups whose mom was high in licking and grooming and nursing, they actually showed less fear in these novel environments. And and to a rat, what that looks like is a rat doesn't like bright lights. It doesn't like new places. It likes knowing where it goes. And so they just put them in a circular cage that was brand new to them. And it had a lot of lights. And if, if the rats were very fearful, they would spend most of their time hiding as close as they can to the wall under the shadow. That's, that's what a, a scared rat would, would do. But these rats that were touched a lot by their mothers, they would actually venture out. They were less fearful and they, you know, they explored the cage and they just showed less signs of fear. Wow. Wait, so a rat that was licked more by their mother spent more time exploring the cage and was less fearful. Exactly, yeah. And That's if, interesting. If it was low licking, then they would just kind of hide in the corner. They wouldn't do much. They were scared to venture out into the light because rats are nocturnal. They don't like light. So interesting, interesting stuff. So 
the, wow. the touch really played a big difference in these rats and in the rhesus monkeys too. So that's another study. Michael Meany has has a bunch more studies similar to that, but that's that's one that I think demonstrates this how touch can really change a baby and a, and and attachment to a mother can change how safe a baby feels. Just like those monkeys when they saw that that mechanical teddy bear. When you described it, it was kind of scary to me. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I would do in that situation either. <laughs> but same as those monkeys, when you know when they were placed in this scary environment, different things happened based on what happened to the monkeys, or or you know how much comfort they had, what they were attached to. That's really interesting. So, how does this translate? I mean. Human mothers don't generally lick their babies. There's lots of kisses and things like that. It's but, close. Yeah. It's close. <laughs> how, do, how does this translate to human babies? So this is actually super interesting. My wife and I just had a baby. She's almost one month old. Tomorrow she will be one month old. It's wow. her month birthday. Yay. Happy birthday, Marley. That's happy, a big landmark. Happy, happy month day, Marley. <laughs> Huge landmark. And we're, and we're still alive. We're still married. <laughs> That's good. That's a success. Um, but in the hospital, it was, it was very interesting. The nurses, they actually gave us a paper and they made sure to tell us, they're like, hey, you need to spend 30 minutes a day with skin-to-skin contact with your baby. It can't be cloth-on-cloth. It hmm. must be skin-to-skin. And they said, doesn't matter if it's with mom or dad, but you need to spend 30 minutes a day because there's multiple, many benefits of just simply holding your baby skin-to-skin contact. Like increased IQ, increased EQ, less like less anxiety, less depression. And it's it, amazing. Oh, I read through the benefits and I was like, are you kidding me? Alan, <laughs> we got to do this. <laughs> like this is, this is very important. And, and she mostly does it because she tries to breastfeed. And so it makes it really easy if you do that. But I just thought that was very interesting that, holy cow, that many things come from just having skin to skin contact consistently every day. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, just to kind of back up that point, uh, there's some other research articles that we kind of browse through. There's a huge body of research looking into this skin-on-skin contact idea that you're talking about. And in one experiment investigating the effectiveness of this physical touch on premature infants, so basically what they did is they had, obviously premature infants spend a lot of time in incubators. And so they don't naturally get a lot of physical touch. And so what they did is they had a control group of infants who just spent the regular amount of time that they would spend in that incubator. And then another group of infants who would spend time going through this touch regimen so they'd have these people come in and they would touch them and rub them and put them on their bare chest and they found that those who were in the physically touched group gained 47 percent more weight per day and went home an average of six days earlier than the babies in the control group who were not touched as often these were all babies in the NICU right yeah these were all premature babies in the NICU wow yeah so one of the most effective things for babies that were born early in this study was just physical touch. That's crazy. Because most of the time in the NICU, you see them like, if at least when I've seen pictures of babies in the NICU, it's just they're in like straight cage, yeah. tubes everywhere. Yeah, which no is- one, No access to them because people are scared right. they're going to get sick, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, which is, it's for the safety of the babies, obviously. A lot of times if they're in the NICU, they're not breathing properly or they have some- some problems with their immune system or heart or whatever it is. But the best thing for these babies in this study was to just have physical touch often. Wow. 
And and you told me you told me before they have like volunteers that do do that that just go in and do this. <laughs> yeah, so they call them kangaroo parents or kangaroo volunteers, or sometimes they call them surrogate grandparents, where you can volunteer and you can go to these hospitals and you can just put NICU babies on your bare chest and do that for. Yeah. Wow. That is not that'll satisfy lots of baby cravings for people. So if you have that baby craving, you just haven't held a baby in a long time. Yeah, that <laughs> search, one's go go to the hospital, that, get in on this volunteering. Yeah, that one's a nice symbiotic relationship there. That's yeah. good for both parties involved. <laughs> um, some other studies that we looked into as well with this, um, they found that in humans, uh, this lack of touch not only results in slower recovery from being born prematurely, but a lack of touch early in life can lead to physical growth delays, cognitive impairments, and even a higher likelihood of contracting an infection. So this study came from Eastern European orphanages, where they're often understaffed and have large amounts of orphans that they're looking after, and they therefore don't receive as much physical touch as they require. They have lower intelligence, they're often smaller, and they have lots of developmental delays just because they aren't touched as much as other babies. That is blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. How important touches. That is important. Yeah, and it's if you think important. if you think that's mind blowing, so we've talked about mostly mammals. Well, all, only mammals so far, but I found a study that talked about the importance of touch even in worms. <laughs> so <laughs> What they did is experimenters took what? worms and they isolated some of them from their colonies. And the ones that they isolated were smaller and had worse reflexes than the worms that were raised with their colonies and had physical touch with other worms regularly. So they would literally, th these worms were smaller and they would tap them on the head. And usually what a worm does is it recoils. But the worms that weren't touched very often had much slower and less responsive recoil reflexes than the worms that were raised in their colonies. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Crazy. So so touch and attachment is very important. And I've learned a lot from reading these studies. So the couple of takeaways that I have from this is like, obviously, I have a newborn baby. Obviously, it's like I got to hold her skin to skin contact. I need to touch her, talk to her. And because that's going to help her mental, social yeah, emotional you're development. Getting a, you're getting a 24 seven crash course in <laughs> yeah. attachment theory. <laughs> yeah. So I need to do that for my, my baby, but it also, you know, the monkey experiment as well as the rat experiment mm -hmm. helped me realize I got to be there for certain people in my life when they go through a stressful experience. Mostly with the monkeys, because you know, like I like like with my wife, like if I know something is very stressful to her, like I want to be that cloth monkey for her. Right. Does that make sense? Where yeah. she can go and find comfort and feel safe, and and it's not just my wife. I mean, I I definitely want to do that with my siblings and my close friends. Obviously, I can't do it for everyone, but that's one of my takeaways. I want to better watch for when stressful things happen in other people's life and then be able to say hey like i'm i'm a comforting place like i'm a safe place i'm i'm one of those cloth mother monkeys that if you see that mechanical yeah. teddy bear in your life <laughs> you can come you know like you can come talk to me you can come uh you know if you need a hug i'll give you a hug stuff like that so so those are those are my takeaways. What, what do you think, Ben? What's yeah, yours? I, on a similar note, there are few things that are import, as important to a child and to an adult as physical touch. And we, th we think about the parent-child relationship often and how important that physical touch is. But like McKay was mentioning, 
even as adults, that need for physical touch and emotional and physical intimacy does not go away. There are few things that are as detrimental for your health as being lonely and not receiving that touch and not having someone to talk to. So the reality is that adults have the same need for safe and secure relationships, physical touch, emotional intimacy as children do. And there's a lot of research into attachments in the parent-child relationship. If you have a secure attachment with your child, just like in the rats who were licked more often and they explored more, babies and toddlers that have a safe and secure attachment with their parents are much better in social social situations they're not as fearful in new environments and they enjoy exploring much more which is a basic human need that we have and even in adult relationships this need for safe and secure exploration and novelty which sounds kind of like an oxymoron that need doesn't go away we need those safe relationships those safe cloth monkeys that we can go to in order for us to be able to thrive as human beings to be able to explore and take risks because we know we can come back and get a hug from a loved one so cool so cool i also i just thought of another one uh another takeaway for me is honestly i'm not a touchy dude like i just (laughs) my family like i don't give hugs a lot i don't (laughs) i'm not like sit next to my sibling and just touch like I just like that's Uh weird I don't know I just me personally there's other people in my family who are more touchy and I'm just like not a touchy one but this conversation has really helped me realize like I I need to give my siblings a hug frequently Mm -hmm. to let them know like yeah I love them and same with same with my wife my wife especially I need to hug her multiple times a day and just say hey I love you and I you know even though it's hard for me because I'm not super comfortable i'm not with touch even with my family like random people i'm like yeah (laughs) but um with my family i'm like i'm trying to be better and so that that also has you know was a Mm -hmm. thing that i want to do more after learning about touch and attachment Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things but that's great that's that's something my family's actually been working on because we i grew up with all brothers and we grew up as kind of these tough guys in some ways and so we didn't physically touch very often either unless we were wrestling you know um unless you're beating each other up (laughs) yeah it was mostly it wasn't so much hugs as it was fists and things like that (laughs) but as we've gotten older we're all adults now my youngest brother is 18 we've all started hugging each other more and our relationships have definitely been strengthened because of that and one thing my dad has done actually is he's half as a joke but mostly serious he gives us eight second hugs whenever he hugs us so if, if we're going in for a hug with my dad you better brace yourself for eight whole seconds. But Grab a drink of water, <laughs> get a snack before you do. Yeah, yeah, make sure you go to the bathroom before just because you're going to be there for a while. But all jokes aside, I really appreciate that. And my relationship, even with my dad, we had a great relationship growing up and we always gave lots of hugs and there was lots of physical touch between us. But even just that extended, meaningful, purposeful eight-second hug – is really calming and has really strengthened our our relationship and is honestly a stress reliever whenever I give my dad a hug. That's awesome. Yeah, so I guess just to wrap up today, just we would challenge you all listening to this to think about what are some relationships that you can strengthen through physical touch? How can you satisfy your own needs? How can you set yourself up to flourish? And how can you also give those you love, whether that's your children, your siblings, your partner or spouse or any other loved ones, even friends, 
how can you set them up to flourish as well by giving them that basic need for human touch and interaction? You have been listening to Noggin, the Simple Psychology Podcast. Thank you for listening to our show. We really appreciate it. We have shared with you only two articles of the thousands that have been published on this subject. Though we wish we could go more in depth, we hope you've enjoyed our introduction and interpretation of this topic. We don't claim to know everything, but we have shared with you our takeaways from reading the research. I'm McKay. And I'm Ben. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you.